Good morning. Good to see everybody here. Um, I kind of remember back in days past, when I was younger, how sometimes you'd see a, a scene on a show or a cartoon or something about a bully coming and kicking, kicking little kids' sandcastles over. And so the bully would do that, and then the, the people would come up with this idea, well, let's put a big rock inside that sandcastle. And the bully comes back by, kicks it with a big swift kick, and ouch. So that's the question this morning, rock or sand? And I'll, I'll show you what that means in a few minutes. But you know, over the last several years, I have been hearing as well as reading about a particular problem in our Christian culture in America that has caused quite a bit of harm to individual Christians, to churches, and even the larger Christian community, and even to people outside the church who don't believe in Christ as their Savior. And I've read some of these news stories concerning this problem, and it's sad to see how far and wide it is broadcast, this problem is itself. Now, the problem I'm talking about isn't something that has never happened in, before in the church. It was even happening way back in the early church in the first century, and we read about it in the New Testament from time to time. But what makes it seem so much worse now <clears throat> is how fast and wide news spreads when something happens like this in a church or in a Christian group. And the fact that our modern American culture actually sets us up for this problem to happen. And then when it happens, it makes delicious news. Now, <clears throat> I want to tell you about the problem, look what causes it, and see how the Bible tells us that we can prevent it. And the problem I'm referring to is when a well-known, popular Christian leader, you know, in different areas of the Christian, uh, our Christian community in the United States, a well-known leader with lots of followers, all of a sudden, it's all of a sudden to us, but this person renounces their faith. They just say they don't believe it anymore. And it sends shock waves. Because this person was popular, well-liked, had a thriving ministry. And I'm not just talking about one person. I'm talking about this is starting to happen. or This has been happening now on somewhat of a wide scale. And they'll come out with some statement on how they have lost their faith in Jesus as their Savior. And sometimes they don't even believe in God anymore. And then they can't accept the Bible, of course. Now, this happens. It could be a real, very popular church pastor with a large following. It may be a Christian speaker, writer, who became well-known for writing a best-selling book. It could be a Christian musician who has a large following of Christian youth or even a well-known worship leader, songwriter,
who was having a, a huge ministry with young adults. But it's some type of well-known Christian leader turning away from the faith. And each example that I just gave you, pastor, songwriter, you know, etc., those are real examples. I just didn't name any names. But those are real examples that have happened, and it's much more than that, too. There's a lot we don't hear about. Now, <clears throat> it also seems to me that this problem of well-known Christi Christians abandoning the faith is magnified by our culture because we are a celebrity-driven culture. You know, when somebody becomes popular in our culture for whatever reason, and they reach that celebrity status, I mean, they become everything to our culture. This is our modern American culture. They become super important in our eyes. And their actions and their choices are continually broadcast to the world. And they set trends and they influence beliefs. And they receive so much attention and admiration from so many people. And they ride that wave of celebrity status. And so I see it as particularly harmful when a Christian leader who has a significant following because of their talent, <clears throat> because of some good things they've done, all of a sudden has this crisis of faith. And they turn away from the scriptures and they turn away from Jesus Christ as Savior. And many of them say they can't even believe in God anymore. And I think, what does that do for the people that were following them? For the people who really were ministered to by them? Especially followers who were kind of caught up into the celebrity craze part of it. Where does that person's abandonment of the faith leave their followers? And then, of course, when they do turn away from Christ, then it makes the headlines, doesn't it? Well, now, what is it that is causing these well-known Christian leaders to turn away from the very faith that they not only believed in, but they championed and they spread that faith and they led people to that faith and they encouraged people in that faith and now they say, I can't believe it anymore. What happens to their followers? Well, I read some articles about some of these leaders turning away from their faith and then I've even listened to a few lengthy interviews of somebody else asking them questions about, well, how did this happen, and when did it happen, and what caused it, and that sort of thing. And the people asking them the questions were solid believers. And as I listened, to their credit, they were very open and honest about what happened, what it was, why they did it, why they believe the way they do. <clears throat> And so I appreciated that because it helped me identify the causes that led to them turning away from Christ. And I'm just going to mention some of the reasons that were given as to why some of these confessing Christians decided they could no longer hold on to the Christian beliefs. Some even said, of course, that they, like I said before, that now they don't even believe God exists. And of course, they don't turn to the scriptures anymore. But one major reason 
that some have decided to turn away from God was because they could not reconcile the faith point of there being a holy, good, and righteous God when they see all the existence of evil, suffering, and injustice. And this is also the reason that many atheists say they don't come to Christ or believe in God. Because they're saying, if God is all good and all powerful and he has no limit on his power, then why does he allow so much suffering, evil, and pain? Another reason that some had turned away from God is because of in their life they had, hurt, they had experienced very deep hurts and disappointments. And they get angry at God because God allowed that and then all of a sudden they just turn away from him and said they can't believe it. No one would, God wouldn't allow that to happen to me. Some have turned away because of the Bible's teaching on hell. And I have read the different accounts of people for these reasons that have turned away and I've heard them speak into it. And they just, after they had preached and even pastored churches, they just could not accept the fact anymore that God would send people to hell for eternity. How could a loving God do that? And there was one interview I was listening to from this very successful music leader, Christian contemporary music leader. And he said that, some of his experiences when he went on mission trip, he named one especially. We saw a little child who was dying of starvation, and he said, what did that child do? And he said he could not reconcile that with a belief in God, a belief in a good God. And as that interview went on, it was interesting that he, even, he said himself that as he was talking to a close friend close Christian friend about his wavering in his belief, his close friend said, well, yeah, but I point to these circumstances in my life that drew me closer to God. And he said, yeah, but those were your circumstances, not my circumstances. Now, I know some of you are thinking and saying, we're not supposed to base our faith on our circumstances, are we? And that's a big part of it. In a minute, we'll look at what the Bible says about all of this. I just want to name a few other reasons that people have given for walking away from the faith. Today, it's very popular, a very popular teaching in our culture is that there is no such thing as ultimate truth. There's your truth, there's my truth, there's his truth, there's her truth, there's its truth, you know, whatever. It's, it's just, there's no bottom line truth anymore. And <clears throat> so if that's true, then the Bible isn't ultimate truth, right? Some have decided they could not accept the Bible's view on the gay lifestyle or gay marriage, and now that they consider that hate speech, so they can't really go with the Bible anymore because of that. Some have said they came to Christ with certain expectations, 
and then found that those expectations weren't true at all. So they just kind of like turned away. So what is the answer to all of this? Well, I was thinking that, you know, I became a Christian a little over 40 years ago. And I was put into this group, it was God's doing, into this group of dedicated Christians. And, and Laura, my wife, was one of those. And we had Christian leaders that we looked up to as our group back in those days. And oftentimes they were pastors who had large ministries. They wrote books. They went spoke at conferences that we may have attended. Uh, we really enjoyed listening to them, <clears throat> listening to their wisdom, hearing how they, you know, preached the Bible. But I don't remember any of them ever, you know, turning away from the faith. You know, whereas today, you're seeing people that people followed by droves, and, and now they're saying they can't embrace their Christianity. I remember back then two major Christian artists, two singers, you know, vocal artists, and it was a major thing that they got divorced. But neither one of them turned away from God. So why are we seemingly more often hearing of leaders leaving the faith? You know, like I said, it's been going on since the beginning of the church. You see it in the New Testament here and there. But why does it seem to be hitting the church in America more noticeably at this time? And among those who we look up to and we followed and, and we, we really admired. Well, like I said, I think the celebrity-driven culture is part of it. We place extra talented, popular people on a pedestal, and then we get hurt when they fall. But the bottom line issue or problem, both with those who abandon the faith and we who get hurt by their abandonment, we who get kind of thrown off course because, because of what they've done, the bottom line issue is, in both cases, we built our faith on a wrong foundation. And so, here in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, I want to read what Jesus says. It's at the end of his Sermon on the Mount, and he's told them a lot of things. You've read through the Sermon on the Mount, most of you. And so here at the end of it, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, 
and it fell with a great crash. Jesus says, whoever puts his words into practice, first we have to listen to them, right? Or we take Jesus' words and his teachings and make them a part of our life. Or you might say that we believe them strongly enough that we live by them. He says that person will have a rock-like foundation that can stand the storms, the winds, and the torrents. And did you notice that when Jesus is talking to them about trusting in his words and trusting enough to act upon them and to live by them, did you notice what he was preparing them for? He wasn't preparing them for a life of ease, was he? He was preparing them for the violent storms of life. The rain came down, the streams rose, the creeks are rising, the winds blew, everything beat against the house. He doesn't say that if you choose him and follow him, he will stop everything bad from happening to you. He says that the strong foundation will give you the strength to go through the bad times that will help you hang on. And many of you in here know when you buy a house or build a house, you don't intentionally build on a flimsy structure or build a flimsy structure on a shaky foundation, right? And if for some reason you had to do that, you would not feel confident it will stand against any storm. We know that from life, and it's true in our faith, too. We have to build a firm foundation. We have to set our faith upon a firm foundation so that when the storms come, we're not knocked over by the storms. And I think a lot of times people, when they come to Christ, that's not really what they're thinking. They're thinking, wow. I've made it now. You see, the, the reason we are witnessing Christians and leadership abandoning the faith is because they have not devoted their time fully enough and their trust fully enough in the scriptures. None of them, as well as none of us, has experienced or witnessed anything close to what Jesus went through, if they're expecting that coming to Christ is going to be something that, where it's just smooth sailing from then on, they haven't looked at the life of Jesus. He was totally dedicated to living by the scriptures. The scriptures were his life and breath. He was totally in prayer with the Father. But he got the worst treatment of anybody. But during all of that treatment, his faith was in his father. His faith was strong. And he got beaten down and whipped and spit upon. But his foundation stood the test. Because he was in the scriptures and he was in prayer. And he was hanging on to Jesus, or hanging on to the father. <clears throat> You know, I read of teenage experiences of teenage girls in Iran, Nigeria, China, North 
north, uh, what's that place above the south one? Korea. Korea. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you guys knew the answer there. I read of even, you know, all sorts of people that get captured or persecuted or anything, but I, I even read of teenage girls who are taken away and put into a school and so they get re-educated to be taken away from their faith. And sometimes they're even disowned by their parents who belong to another faith. And the stories that I read that these girls will not turn away from God. They will not turn away from Christ. And they won't even stop sharing their faith. Even when they're put into a, a home or whatever or a, a prison because their foundation is the word of God and they put it into practice. Now, here is where I think we as a culture lose it sometimes. Instead of seriously allowing God's word to live in us and to be that major part of our lives that always runs through us and, and makes a home in us, by being in God's word regularly, by getting to know him because that, you know, his word flows through us, by allowing his word to live in us, then we develop a, a, a love for it and it influences our thinking and our attitudes. You know, when I came to Christ, I wasn't thinking biblically at all in my life, but I just had to keep reading. I was, I was told to do that, and I really wasn't excited about doing that. I was excited about being saved, but I wasn't excited about reading the Bible. But I just started with one chapter a day. And as I read more, and I was just forcing myself, and as I read more, it just kept entering into my life. Of course, plus the fellowship, plus the teaching. But the Bible reading was so much a part of that. And Hebrews 4.12 says, you know, I, I think people, people th think that, you know, the Bible just being a book, if you read it, you just learn the book. But the Bible is so much more than just a book. It was written by the Holy Spirit through men, and it now has the Spirit of God. Look here. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit. That's all the way into the inner. Joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. <clears throat> the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and if we have willing hearts, if we are seeking this, that Spirit of God, through the Word of God, will bring us comfort and strength and understanding and even increase our motivation. It will bring us wisdom and knowledge. And then we take that wisdom and understanding and we put it into practice. We act upon it. And it takes time spent with the Lord in prayer and in his word. And it takes a willing heart 
a desire to put it into practice. And we put it into practice also by being a part of a local church, taking part in the ministry of the church, helping others in need, comforting the hurting, loving our neighbors, telling others about the Lord, using our resources for the good of others. We want to build for ourselves and live off of a solid foundation that can weather the storms of life. We don't want to walk away <clears throat> from, the, from the exact things that will bring us eternal life on a new earth and give us a glorious entrance into that new earth. And here's the thing about it. You know, when Jesus told them to build that foundation, he was telling them to build it for when the torrents came, right? When the winds blew, when the, when the creeks were rising. And so we know we weren't just saved to, to live out an easy life. And here's another thing about it. We won't be able to answer every question that somebody else has. We can just give up on that right now. We won't know every reason that God allows bad things to happen. We won't like everything we have to face in this life. And we may not understand God's reasoning for every act of suffering he allows. But you know, just as Jesus persevered when he suffered the punishment for the sins of the whole world, even though he himself was totally sinless, so God calls us to put our full trust in him even when we can't answer every question. He wants us to build our faith upon that rock that will stand the torrential rains, the floods, the hurricane winds. Build that strong foundation of God's word and put it into practice. And let's don't allow ourselves to be swayed by someone popular and their unbelief to sway us from our firm foundation. Instead, follow the example of Jesus Christ. He had to keep his foundation firm in the light of so much injustice and horror. And he, he was sinless and he was suffering for the sins of the world, but he kept his foundation in God. And now, I want to look at just Psalm 1 that tells us what comes from being in God's word. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So, Will it be rock or sand? Uh, the rock 
may hurt if you try to kick a sandcastle down. But the sandcastle goes down when it's just sand and the rock stands there forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the teachings we receive from your word. We thank you that the Holy Spirit puts them into our our hearts and our being as we trust in him. We pray that we would have that desiring attitude to learn your word, to live by your word, to follow your word, spending time with you, spending time doing things for you. And we pray that we might grow strong in the inner person and then help others to get there too. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.